Welcome to the 4th and Gold podcast. I'm your host, Max Richardson, joined in studio today by Jared Lenahan. Jared, how are you? Good to be back. We've been on holidays. We Bad have. time to go on holidays, really, but... Um, we have just passed the quarter mark of the NFL season. Um, what we're going to do is today look at some things that we were, were right about um, before the season and a couple of things that we definitely, I know myself, missed very big on. Um, first of all, just to go over that in the first five weeks, uh, there's still two undefeated teams uh, in the one each conference, um, the New England Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers. The Niners had a very impressive win yesterday. Joe, did you catch any of that game? Yes, I watched it. Um, mostly to roast Rory about, <laughs> but also because I like the 49ers defense a lot. Yeah, a lot and of quick players. Ooh, um, that, yeah, a lot of the, credit. And the Patriots there. are just, well, you just kind of gloss over the fact that they're 5-0. But, I mean, yeah, but impressive. their strength of schedule has been abysmal. True. Um, there's five, well, four winless teams, sorry, New York Jets, uh, Miami Dolphins, Cincinnati Bengals, and the... Uh, Washington team. Um, any of those, Jared, that you think potentially could make a run or or could turn it around, or are they all? The, the only of those that can is the Jets because the Jets stick out to me because when I was reflecting upon what we'd said before the season started, um, the Jets to me they've been bad, but they haven't had Sam Darnold. And the week they had Sam Darnold, they had the Bills on a platter. And they blew a 16-point lead. They were up 16-0 and then ended up losing the game on a massive touchdown at the end, 17-16. So they've had a very small sample size with the actual team. And that sample size had them beating a team that is now 4-1. and one. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, and Luke Fork is... He's not an NFL quarterback. He's very bad. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's the only team that I think um, could make a run, I think. Darnold's got the ability um, with Le'Veon Bell and um, getting Chris Herndon back after a four-game suspension, I think, will also help there. Um, now, some teams that uh, we kind of, I think, will probably steer clear from when we're talking about things that we're right and wrong about is the teams that have had injuries to their quarterbacks, um, that being uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers losing Ben Roethlisberger to that elbow injury. Um Surprisingly, Jacksonville Jaguars losing their quarterback, um, Nick Fold, but... I think you could argue that they're playing better with Gardner Minshew in there now. Um, obviously, we just touched on the New York Jets losing Sam Darnold. Carolina Panthers um, have played particularly well with their, with their yes. backups yes. and no Cam Newton. And finally, um, Drew Brees being out in New Orleans has seen Teddy Bridgewater step in. And I think he's um, he's done particularly well. Any of those teams you want to talk Yeah, about? well, just what you said there about the Jags potentially being better. I mean, we haven't really had a large enough sample size with Foles in um, to, to really... Just like to justify the statement. I mean, Gardner Minshew's been pretty good, to be honest. He's thrown nine touchdowns, one intercept. Um, I'd say at the moment he'd be on track to be the offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, um, I think particularly $6.50 on sports, but at the moment, just for anyone. (laughs) When you look at him, is if this was a first-round quarterback, if this was a last-year Darnold or a Baker, we'd be saying, oh, look how good this is. Um, And we're kind of just kind of glossing over the fact that he's a sixth-round rookie quarterback. Yeah, well, he bounced around a bit in college. Um, One thing I will say before we... He's got some swag about him, doesn't he? Yeah, one thing I will say before we compliment him is though he doesn't have a very strong arm. Um, He's got a bit of a noodle. But he does make up for that. He's very good at timing and anticipating throws, and he's accurate. Um, I think he's completing around 68% of his passes, which is a really good clip. 
Um, he's actually been quite a surprising player. And do you bring Nick Foles back into that team straight away? I mean, Jack- Jacksonville are in the mix in that division purely because of the the low, like I said before the season, that the 10 wins is probably going to get you the the, uh, the playoff spot in that division. So, I mean, the Jacksonville are in the thick of it. Um, they're just a bit ill-disciplined. They really give away a lot of penalties on defense. And, yeah, I think that, I think that also begs the question with Carolina as well. I mean... Um, Kyle Allen has had some fumbling issues, but I mean, to be completely fair, he's he's led the offense very well. I mean, it's, just getting the ball to McCaffrey in space is all you realistically need to do. He um, is far more suited to a North Turner offense. North Turner is better when he has a good running back and an accurate quarterback. And Cam Newton, we know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. I think. I don't think what I'm trying to say is a slight to Cam Newton. I think he's a ridiculously talented quarterback. But I mean. The numbers are there. I mean, the, the record's there. It's just a, a fusion of styles being better between uh, between sorry North Turner and Kyle Allen because Kyle Allen's very doesn't put the the ball in harm's way. Um, he's accurate. Um, he does. Fun, he has had fumble issues, but he hasn't thrown balls into catchable D, DB areas. Like he's very accurate, and they're starting to do things that Cam I don't know what it is with what what it was with Cam is all you need is this hit Christian McCaffrey in the flat and he'll give you twenty yards. But Cam Newton's always trying to make over the shoulder, you know, on out route throws and just he's not accurate enough to do that. All you need to do is just embrace the environment you're in and use what you've got because they got a lot of talent in the skill positions. Yeah. But it's very interesting this season. There's a lot of quarterbacks coming in replacing other quarterbacks, which is is I don't remember a season being this that this happening that much where there's five or six teams where there's quarterback conversations, you know, it's and then really interesting. You also throw into the mix that uh, New York Giants swapped in Daniel Jones um, after a couple of weeks of Eli Manning and also Washington um, brought in Dwayne Haskins. Um, anything else from the first five weeks that really kind of stood out to you? I mean, we're going to get to some things, but uh, anything else? Um, oh, I think it's really open this season, particularly in the NFC more so than the AFC. You've got a few powerhouses in the AFC that I think you'd definitely say are probably going to be there at the sticky end of the season. Um, but in the NFC, I honestly at this point still have no idea because it's so open. I mean, there's a few teams you make a case for, like the Saints probably um, would be the one standout when Drew Brees comes back. But then apart from that, you've got a big pack coming after him, don't you? The Rams aren't as good as they were last year at this point. Um, it's The NFC is particularly, this season is really, really open. Yeah. Right, well, moving on, um, what we're going to do now is we're going to first hit the positives. So a couple of things that we were right about. Jared, what were you right about before the season that's that's played out for the first five weeks? There's one thing that stood out for me that I've said is the Browns' offensive line being like... I, I'm not going to brag about it because it was pretty obvious if you were going to... Um, if there was a flaw, if that's there was, what it was if, if be. like, I mean, it wouldn't take a rocket scientist to pick that out. But they've been substantially worse than I even forecasted. They've been horrible. Um, and the only reason I bring that one up is mainly because the Browns had a bit of hype coming into this season, and I was just not on it at all. Um, so I probably do want to mention that one. I mean, it's kind of a smaller, you know, more micro-sized thing to bring up. But I think their line's been really bad, and it's starting to show in this league um, and the opposite end of the scale to this with the line and the thing that I was wrong about I'll quickly just mention is the Colts they are really solid on their offensive line and defensive line and that is masking 
subpar skill play, well, not subpar skill play, but conservative skill play and showing that you can win on your lines. And the Browns have everything you need to be a winning football team, maybe some bad play calling, and that line is really bringing them unstuck. But I just wanted to highlight the fact that the offensive line and defensive line can be the make or break of a team. Yeah. And in the Browns, in this case, at this moment, is a capitulation. The one the one kind of question that I had was that trade um, that saw them trade mm-hmm. Kevin Zeitler away yep. for Vernon just seemed like one that was just that one too far. I mean, he was a pretty consistent um, interior offensive lineman. But, I mean, now looking forward, if I'm the Browns, I'm getting on the phone to Washington and, and finding out about Trent Williams because I think oh, that yeah. Greg Robinson is not what you need to to kind of facilitate Baker Mayfield to play in this offense. I mean, when you're talking about having deep threats like Antonio Callaway and Odell Beckham is the only reason they're going to be able to get open deep in their route is if you have good pass protection. You have a five Greg, or six second yeah. pocket for Baker. And Greg Robinson is not he, doing that. Nick Bosa victimized him yeah. yesterday. That, that was like a tough watch. Yeah, and it was tough that it was in prime time and everyone was watching, but I mean, it's been consistently throughout the first five weeks that the, the, the offensive line is letting them down essentially. Yeah, and I mean, it's making, like, I, I, I don't like to... It's making Baker Mayfield look yes. worse than he actually may be. I mean, he is a bit frantic in the pocket at times and creates his own pressure, um, and he's a bit of a weird scrambler. But a lot of players, like, in this league, it, running backs, quarterbacks, are only as good as the line that's in front of them. And Baker Mayfield is currently... there's a, Like, the, for example, yesterday on that fumble he had, Robinson was just literally shoved into him. Nick Bosa literally just trucked him straight into Baker on his blind side. It's a left tackle, for God's sake. Your left tackle has to be... If I was starting a football team, the first person on my line I'm giving all the money to is a left tackle the, of, a right, of a right side, of a right-handed quarterback. If it was a left-handed quarterback, your right tackle. That tackle is on the blind side of, of your quarterback. They need to know that they've got protection on their blind side so they can be confident in the pocket. They can let plays, you know, with we've got Jarvis Landry, Callaway, OBJ, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt to come back. You need to give these guys a few seconds to get into their routes, if they're running option routes, whatever, that, or more extended plays. They need the pocket to be clean. Mm-hmm. And if your blind side's getting caved in every second play and you're worried about someone's Nick Bosa, who's a generational talent at the pass rushing defensive end position, coming to just victimise your left tackle, then how are you supposed to pr- produce? Yeah. Um, for me, the first thing that I think I was right about, and I'm pretty happy about this, was the Green Bay Packers being good. Um, yeah. And for me, it's not particularly the offense. It's the defense that I'm really impressed with. Um, they've got the both Smiths in Preston Smith and Zedarius Smith. They have the rookie, Rashawn Gary, who's been playing pretty well. Their secondary is very nice. Savage seems like a really good pick. Um, Phenomenal. Great first-round player. Jair Alexander seems to be that shutdown corner that potentially he was... Um, build to be at the start of the season and then on the offense is Aaron Rodgers um, last week or he doesn't have to do so much now then he's got he's got he's got a few more weapons um, and I mean no Devontae Adams and they still put up 34 points on the on the Dallas Cowboys defense um, they're getting great play from Aaron Jones um, their offensive line is is very nice and Matt LaFleur I think you can see that there is a bit of friction there between him and Rodgers but I think that um, to Roger's credit is he's willing to try and work work through this um, and work with Lafleur. So that's the one for me is Green Bay being good. Um, Jared, what was the second thing you were right about? Second thing I was right about. Um, I was uh, another really obvious one. I'll try and um, get a more controversial one that I made the call of. But um, the Chiefs, 
I said they were a minimum 12-win team and that there's no reason right now for us to say they're going to win less than 12 games. They're going to win at least 12 games. I said they were going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl and I still stand by that statement at this point in time. Um, so I'd probably say I was right about that. I mean, they were, again, I'm not tooting my own horn because that's not really something brag-worthy, I suppose, but... I mean, I was correct in the sense that they were going to win a lot of games and actually even a little bit better than I thought. They were going to be offensively anyway. Um, but at this point in time, I still think they're going to be the AFC representative in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, and you look at the kind of numbers that Mahomes is putting up and the throws he's making, they're pretty ridiculous. The, only, the one thing I will say, though, with Mahomes is um, you look at his stats versus zone coverage versus man coverage and yeah. it's not something to get worried about, but, I mean, he destroys zone coverage and when um, teams play man and they play man well is that that is potentially his kind of Achilles heel. But Took, took the I words mean, out of my mouth on that one. You, you look at the throws he makes, he's a ridiculous quarterback. He's up there with Aaron Rodgers is probably arguably the most talented quarterbacks that we've seen. Yeah, he's something else. And to think that, I think, how many quarterbacks went before him in that draft? Three, I think yeah. it was. I mean, imagine, One imagine being Mahomes Josh... being on the Chicago Bears instead of Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Anyway, that's another story. I also want to say I was right about the Bears not being that good because they're not. And I was especially, I bagged Mitchell Trubisky. And he's actually even being slightly worse than I thought he was going to be, so... That was probably another one that off the top of my head I had here on my computer that I was pretty happy about. Yeah. But the, 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 it's so sad to see because that defense is so good and they're going to be unstuck because of poor quarterback play. A quarterback they traded up for. Yeah. They could have had Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Um, the second thing that I think I was right about was the Bills' defense and about how good mm, they were. Yeah. Um, particularly their first-round pick last year, Tremaine Edmonds. He seems coming to on, he? Yeah, he's really coming on. Um, their third... Uh, ranked third in um, Football Outsiders defensive metric. Um, I mean, they've got great uh, safety duo in Micah Hyde and um, uh, Jordan Poyer, sorry. Um, and their front, I mean, they just get after the quarterback. They can't. They held Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't throw a touchdown, I don't think. They should have won that game. Um, yeah. I mean, that game was just... Yeah. Um, so, yes, Bill's defense, I think, has been lived up to my expectations about... Um, about what I thought they were going to be before the season. I just want to plug Sean McDermott there because when he was the defensive coordinator in Carolina, that was a top five defense. So he's clearly a very astute defensive mind and a very underrated, I suppose, defensive mind in the game and head coach in general because the Bills team, when he got... He inherited that Bills team two years ago. I thought they were going to be one of... Like, I thought they were going to be what the the Redskins and the... uh, and the Dolphins kind of are now, and the Bengals. But he's really... He's kind of done a rebuild on the fly, hasn't on, he? Essentially. And, like, they're, they're not a team I want to play in January no. in a playoff game. I do not want to play a wild card game against Buffalo. In I don't, outdoors, indoors, yeah. In outdoor setting. Because they've still got Devin Singletary, who's going to come back and be a very dynamic back. Frank he's, Gore looks like he's Frank 28. Frank Gore looks like he's 27, <laughs> yeah, 28 again. <laughs> Um, but they're, they're one of those teams where you just don't want to play them. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's credit to Sean McDermott because I think he is one of the most underappreciated kind of guys in the league in terms of coaching staff. He's phenomenal and what they've been able to do. And like they, they should have beaten the Patriots in that game, really. I mean, Josh Allen goes out. Like, A couple of spe- special teams, great plays by the Patriots, cool. kind of wonderful. Correct. And I mean, 
yeah, like I just, if I'm a coach, I don't want the Bills in January in a playoff game. I don't want them. All right, moving on. And this is probably where the big ones come out. But Jared, what, uh, what was something that you were wrong about or something that you missed or something that you thought didn't quite go so well? Um, the Vikings probably at this point. I mean, Kirk Cousins, I was always thought he was pretty good. I'm just going to backtrack on myself that he's bad. Kirk Cousins is bad. And the metrics, I've been doing listening to a lot of um, stuff lately, more metric-based. And Kirk Cousins, is his statistics make him look like an above-average NFL quarterback. But if you actually watch him, he's really bad. He has no pocket presence. He creates pressure when there isn't any. And he's... Like, he's just... He has really bad games when you need him to have a good game. And then he'll go out and he'll put 35 on the worst team in the league. And you'll forget about how bad he can be. Like, I always thought he was pretty good. In Washington, I loved him. Yeah. But, like, he's just... Oh, they just... They have so much talent in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook is a, a top five NFL running back. I'm no hesitation. He looks to be back pre-injury. Wow, he's an absolute... Live wire. Yeah. They've got one of the most talented receiving duos in one of the top three receiving duos in the league in Phelan and Diggs. Diggs wants out. Phelan's going out. And then you've got the quarterback, Kirk Cousins, going on his podcast during the week apologizing yeah. to his wide receiver. Like, what? I, I don't think he'll be staying there beyond the end of this season. I think it's his last uh, year of guaranteed money, Kirk Cousins, or is it his second of three? That'd be big, I think. He's gone. Wow. Um, and I, I thought he was good enough to take that level of talent. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not completely wrong yet, maybe, but I thought they were going to be better and more dominant than they are, and they're going to have a fight. That division is just wide open right now. I still yeah, think the Lions could win. I know, you throw into the mix that the Lions are good. We're, ba- we're beating the Chiefs until the, the last bit of the fourth quarter, and they could be undefeated at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the big thing that I missed on, <laughs> and this is very embarrassing because I picked them to go to the Super Bowl, but the Atlanta Falcons, they absolutely yeah. stink. They just... Their line's bad. Oh. Matt Ryan's... Like, it's just weird. He throws 300-yard games every game, but then they lose. De- Devontae um, Freeman seems to have taken a step back. Um, and yeah. I know I, I completely over-kind-of-looked how important Kyle Shanahan was. I kind of thought, oh, they still have the pieces. They still got the great running backs. They had Coleman and um, Freeman last year, and they still had Julio and then Ridley. And then you throw into Sanu, Austin, Austin, Austin Hooper's been playing well this year. Thanks and to they my still, game. They've only won one game. Um, I mean, they've they've opponents have scored 150 points on them in five games. So they're, they're, the defense is giving up 30 points a game. Just, um, yeah, they, they, they've had offensive coordinator problems ever since Kyle Shanahan left. So they've replaced their offensive coordinator and it hasn't worked. And there there is so much talent on that team. Like it's a it's the gotta be like one of the best one win one and four teams you'd ever see in your life. I mean Matt Ryan is he puts up he's one of those guys where he puts up numbers but he always lets you down when you need him not to. He always throws a ridiculous intercept or, you know, something. Um, and their defence, again, the injuries Losing Keanu Neal again, I hate to see that because he was one of my like I obviously being a division rival, I can't like him too much, but he's really cool to watch. Um, like, and they've got some good players, but they're just yeah, yeah. 
I'm, I'm just going to cop the big L on that one, I guess. Um, yeah. And they've still got to play New Orleans and Carolina twice, yeah. I think. I mean, potentially they could get hot at the back end of the year with all those divisional games, but I mean... Oh, they just don't look like doing anything that. Well, when you're putting, tough. when you're conceding thirty a game, yeah, you're not going to win much, are you? What was your second thing that you missed on? Second thing I missed on would have to be the Baltimore Ravens. Slightly, I thought they were going to just dominate everyone. They've kind of regressed back. In the first few weeks, I was super on it, but they're kind of regressing back to Lamar Jackson's regressing back to where he kind of was. Um. And I, I hate. I don't know if it's just a, a rough few weeks because the first few weeks. I mean, the Dolphins. You can't really take much from that. But then they were in the game. They've been in all their games. And then the Browns blow them out. Like they were. You know. I just. I. I thought they were going to. I thought Baltimore were a lock to be a, a seat like a 12, 13, 14 win team. Yeah. And I, I, be, I think they're probably going to scrape ten wins out. They'll probably fair, still win the division though. They're three wins. They've blown out the Dolphins. They beat the Cardinals by six. Yep. And they just beat the um, Mason Rudolph led, or yep. not even Mason Rudolph. Well, Mason Rudolph, the, the by undrafted. A goal yeah, exactly. In extra, in extra time. They lost to the Chiefs, um, and they lost to the Browns. I mean, I thought they were going to be elite. Yeah. Um. So I'd probably say I missed on that quite. I mean, I they're still going to win that division, aren't they? The Browns aren't going to win it. <sighs> I don't know. The Steelers aren't going to win it. I think that Bengals the, aren't going to win it. Someone's Browns win and the um, Ravens, I think, will be. It'll be one of those two that will win. Yeah, it would have to be one of them too. I mean, the Browns still. They still have Browns. still have a lot of talent. If the Browns can get um, Robinson out, Richardson in, that could make all the difference for them. Yeah, I mean, they still have a few issues with play calling. Um, I mean, they're they're going to get Cream Hunt back. Yeah. You could argue that the Browns are still thereabouts. And, I mean, talent is going to win you a few games here and there. Yeah, and no, I mean... wait for an Odell, massive Odell game. It's going to be another one of those situations where the winner of this division is only going to win nine or ten games at the most. So, I mean, in a division where that's the case, I mean, then then, then you can't really rule anyone out, can you? Because, I mean, technically at this point, the Steelers could still win that division because they're only two games behind. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I think I missed on the Ravens, I think. I think they're still going to be a playoff team um, if they can figure it all out, but they kind of have let me down so far, I think. All right, the second thing that I missed on at the start of the year, I thought this team, despite having a great coach and a great quarterback, I just thought that this team was just kind of on the way down a bit. Um, They're third in offense this year, Football Outsiders DVOA. Um, They are throwing to guys like David Moore, Will Disley, DK Metcalf, and the uh, 5'11 starting wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks is Tyler Lockett. I mean, the Seahawks, um, somehow they're 4-1. Um, yeah. And they just look great. Chris Carson's running aggressively. Will Disley looks like a number one tight end. Um, Russell Wilson's Russell Wilson MVP. is an MVP. He's currently top three in the MVP conversation. Yeah. I didn't think the Seahawks... I'd probably take an L on that too because we were in agreement on that. I mean, I did say the Niners were going to have a better record than them, so I'm still going to stick to my guns there, but... Wilson hasn't thrown an interception this year and he's thrown 12 touchdowns, completing 73% of passes. Yeah, and that one he threw on uh, <laughs> Thursday Night Football to Tyler Lockett was stupendous. Yeah. That was dumb. 
That I was mean, that was ridiculous. Jadavion Clowney's back making huge plays. Um, they, yeah, they just look. No, 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 I think it's Pete Carroll. I think it's coaching. They just they just build right the right kind of team up there in Seattle. Uh, um, have you noticed as well? Uh, have you not noticed in the last like this year, especially the analytic discussions, like that that are coming about when to take a field goal, when to go for it on fourth and one, when to go for two. Pete Carroll doesn't care about any of that. He's just a pure football coach. He doesn't play analytics. He doesn't play statistics. He just goes with the flow of a game, makes calls that he needs to. And um, the, the Seahawks, that's division's a very interesting one for me. One of the most interesting at the moment in the entire league. So you've got the Rams, Seahawks, and Niners. Yeah. Is I there mean, a situation the brewing in which both wild cards come from that division? I think you could potentially see that. Because they're going to um, take games off each other, but they're going to win enough elsewhere. I mean, the Rams are sitting third in that division. Yeah. What are last they three and two? Last two? year's Super Bowl entrance for the NFC is sitting third. Yeah, yeah. They're three and two. Yeah. So that division is one to follow very closely moving forward because that division's live. Yeah. I really like seeing um, the uh, the Seahawks do well. I don't know. I just I just I like Russell Wilson. He's a very likable guy, yeah. isn't he? Um, he um. Yeah, he's putting up stupid numbers. His um, PFF rating was like 97. Like, it was just... And that throw he made to Tyler Lockett... I think I it was, had a 6% chance, 6% probability. It was the least probable completion in the last two seasons. Yeah. He was rolling left off balance, <laughs> threw it to the back corner over two guys. The third guy was coming across the back of the end zone and Tyler Lockett turned into freaking Mr. <laughs> Mrs. Incredible stretchy man and gathered it it's interesting I'll put you on the spot just while we're in that division who's going to win that division I think the Rams will come good yeah. I still back Sean McVay yep love um, that guy they're saying about them I'm not sure if I completely buy the Niners yet I mean they I was going to go to that they look really good but offensively I'm just not sure. If you're playing the Niners, you want Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the ball 40 or 50 times, don't you? Because I'm still not in on him yet. Yeah, but I mean, he, he's he's done all he can. I mean, they're 4-0. Yeah, he is. But you want a situation where if they're in a game, you, you're going to want Jimmy Garoppolo. You want to put the game in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands if you're playing them. I mean, you need to just put off enough points. Their defense is nasty, but... It, until I see Jimmy Garoppolo come through a few close tests, I'm still not on the Niners, but I think they potentially have, like, ridiculous upside. Mm. But same as Seattle. Like, it's just, what a division. So you still think the Rams are going to win that division? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I don't know, just still back them in. Mm-hmm. Um, a few smaller ones that I was wrong about as well. Um, the Raiders. Yeah, well, I said that They're a very stink. interesting... Yeah, I mean, we both kind of agreed that they weren't going to do a whole lot and they're sitting there at 3-2. Um, and two. I still don't think that... They're probably the worst 3-2 and two team in the league. I still... I'm not... They're, they're not very good. Uh, as Rory said before, they beat the Colts, who we kind of they think did. about... They did beat the Colts, team. who beat the Chiefs. But, I mean, the two aren't mutually... <laughs> they're not exclusive. I, they're still... They're... Not that good. I mean, they, they imagine if Antonio Brown was healthy and happy on that team. Then maybe, like, I mean, they have that kind of it factor. They are getting great play from their offensive line. Trent Brown is yeah, like a great, great free agent yeah. signing, and Rodney Hudson at center has been playing particularly uh, well. Derek Carr's completing 73% of the Derek Carr's an accurate well. guy. Yeah. He doesn't take risks. Um, and Darren Waller. Finally, we see a, a kind of a 
hard knocks like smoky guy actually produce yeah. for once. Well, he's athletic. He's like a yeah. wide receiver essentially. He um yeah the the Raiders I just still don't think that like they're just playing John Gruden. Has, you don't want to play them though. They just I don't know. They seem like a bit of a bogey team. Yeah, I suppose. It's just because I think the reason for that is that John Gruden is just so big on fundamentals. So fundamental line play, high percentage passes from Derek Carr. Josh Jacobs is really good. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're very middle of the way. If you get them on a good day, it's going to be... If you're not on and they're just playing fundamental football, because they're not a flary team that are going to just come out and smoke you and put 50 on you. But they're going to play fundamentally sound football. Derek Carr is very safe with the football. They now have a running back that can keep, you know, control the time of possession. And another stat for you as well is teams that control the time of possession of a game win three quarters of games. So if they can play fundamentally sound, Derek Carr keeps the ball out of harm's way and they run the ball a lot, they are going to be annoying to play. But I think they lack the star star power to um, really be a threat. And I'd like to say as well, at this point in time, they're pick at number four overall in Clellan Ferrell has been a massive miss. Some of his, his statistics um, rank very low between rookies. Like, very low in rookies. In defensive ends, if you if you bracket them as defensive ends, where they're playing on the end in a three... Edge players. Edge players, we'll call them. He ranks in the lowest percentile in terms of... I mean, it could be skewed slightly because he's lining up next to guys that aren't penetrating as well. Because Nick Bosa and uh, Brian Burns, for example, are playing along a line with other impactful players, so there's more to worry about. But he hasn't been very good at this point, so I'm not going to call him a bust or anything, don't get me wrong, but um, they really reached for him at the four overall. True, but that was that was always kind of a character guy for Mayock and Gruden. They wanted yeah, exactly, guy. and fundamentally sound yeah. kind of guy. Can we just stay in this division quickly? Because another one I want to pick you pick yes. a fight with you about is the Denver Broncos. Yes, and I have I have something kind of whipped up. I mean, they're one and four. I said I said they were just going to beat the Chargers. They lost to the Jaguars after the siren on a field goal. They also lost to the Bears after the siren on a field goal on a very average roughing the passer call on Bradley Chubb. I mean, oh. one of those they're one of those they flipped the other way and they're two and three and they got the same record as the Chargers. They're not. They're not what I thought they were going to be. Yes, I'll I'll admit that, but I don't think they're as bad as what their record says. <clears throat> um, it is a bit of a shame that Bradley Chubb's gone down with that. Yeah, ACL. I was about to say yeah. Um, but I mean, they're still I don't know. There's something about them. I think. I think Joe Flacco's really bad at football. Really? Yeah, he's terrible. He has absolute. He's like torture to watch when he's in. He has a no pocket awareness. It's like really hard to watch. He has. Terrible arm. He has no pocket awareness. It is just horrible. It's terrible. Mm. But they're... I was a bit... I, I think they're going to be a team... I see them being good in the next few years. That they're not... They're not in a situation where they're the Miami Dolphins or the Bengals or something. They're, 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 they're not a bad one and four team, if you want to preface it that way. Yeah. But yes, I will. I will. Will admit that they mm. haven't been as good as what I thought. Yeah. Um, anything else that you were wrong on? A lot, as <laughs> usual. The Colts. I want to take a quick second. Uh, I, I thought they were. Um, I thought that like the loss of your obviously your franchise quarterback two weeks before a season can really undo you. But Jacoby Brissett's exceeded my expectations. Um, 
I like Jacoby Brissett's character especially. And uh, he has the... I, I, read it, I was reading statistic on it. He has the lowest um, completion through the air in terms of yardage. He's really conservative with the ball. And Marlon Mack's a, a thumper in the backfield. Their line is ridiculous. Quentin Nelson is a joke. He's a straight-up joke, that guy. Yeah. Their line is ridiculous. And they're, they're another one of those teams, their fundamentals are just perfect. They've got beautiful lines. They play well on the back end in defense. And they, they beat the Chiefs, you know, you know, low scoring. They held the Chiefs to 13 points. Was it 13? Yeah, I mean, like, and I, consider the fact that on defense they were without... Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard and arguably their most athletic defender in Malik Hooker. Malik Hooker, yeah, so they're two, two of their, of their best, best defenders. defenders. And they still kept the Chiefs... Um, but in that game, they just controlled the line of scrimmage. I yeah. Mean, you saw it. But every time they were getting off blocks, the offensive yeah. line was pushing two Marlon three Mack yards. Marlon Mack punching was hitting four holes yeah. at the three-yard line instead of at the line of scrimmage. Um, yeah, the Colts, I mean, they've just been built really well. Chris Ballard's done a really good job of kind of getting those bigger kind of bodies and just kind of prototypes yeah. that we like to see. They're getting great play from Kenny Moore. He's probably the, one of the best slot corners in the game at the moment. Pierre Desi is playing well. Um and their yeah, their mm. defensive line. I think they're a, they're a playoff team. I said they were going to come last in that division. I regret that immensely. That's the one. That's one of the ones that's been sitting with me, and I've just hated it. Another one that I was really wrong about was with the Jets. Um, we'll just go there quickly. But yeah. I've got excuses oh. for them because, as I said, they, the only game they had their quarterback in, they should have been. I think it's hard to judge the Jets just because they haven't had. Yeah. So I mean, there. that's kind of one I didn't want to go into too deeply purely because of the fact they didn't have their quarterback so um, but they are the kind of ones after the podcast and then I think that I said it on the podcast and then I watch it and go why did I say that like so but I'd say the Colts yeah, probably would be the other one that I bring up there and the Jets like obviously small sample size and I'll still defend that one to this point so yeah that's probably that's probably the main ones I reckon so far yeah alright well moving on we just thought we'd uh, look at a few awards potentially through the first five weeks of the season um, Jared, who's been the MVP through the first? I've got three people in the MVP conversation. I think I'm going to disagree with one. But no, I got three. You got obviously got Patrick Mahomes. I've yes. got Russell Wilson, and yes. the third one, drum roll please, it's Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> I don't care what anyone says. The man's on track currently for 2,900 yards from scrimmage, breaking the NFL all-time record by 250 yards. He already has 850 yards from scrimmage in five games. Like, he's... And he's scored... He's he, he's ridi- he's ridiculous. Like, it, like they have a backup quarterback playing average football. You know? How is he not in the MVP conversation? And I understand it's an award bias towards quarterbacks. But he's essentially more important than a quarterback to that team. He's, account- he's touching the ball 54% of offensive snaps. Like he, you know what I mean? Like it's like, how is he not in the MVP conversation? He's single-handedly carrying Carolina. Like the defense is really good. Brian Burns is going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year. Well, but we can get to that. But first, MVP. I Christian mean- McCaffrey is going. Is is he has to be in the MVP conversation right now? If he can sustain this workload for the entire season, he's going to have over a hundred receptions. He's going to rush for near two thousand yards. Why isn't he in the conversation? Like what? How is he? How is he, Max? I don't know. I just re- don't re- think he's a running back. I understand, yes, but like I understand that, and I get that he has particularly skewed the way that the Panthers have played this year. 
I mean, a lot of the time you see him get him in space and he's making not the first guy, but he's making the first two guys miss, which is something unbelievable. He hits holes at extreme speed. Um, but for me, I think it's Russell Wilson. Um, just his efficiency, he's throwing 12 touchdowns, no interceptions, and going at 73% completion. Um, they're 4-1. and one. They don't have... Look at the receivers he's throwing to. Um, so that's why I think... I mean, I'm not... This not a bad I'm not group arguing against um, Christian McCaffrey. I just don't think that... It's... Yeah. I think you're... Uh, I think... What's what everyone does, though, is the fact that a quarterback is seen as the most valuable player of a team. So obviously you're going to bias this awards towards quarterbacks. I mean, if we look at the MVPs, I'm just going to pull it up while we have a second. Okay, the last time a non-quarterback won yeah. MVP was Ladanian Tomlinson in 2006. Yep. When he rushed for 1,800 yards. Yep. 28 touchdowns. Yep. Also had um, 56 receptions for 508 yards and three touchdowns. So we're talking about a season where he amassed over 30 touchdowns. 30 touchdowns? Yep. 30 touchdowns. Yep. So currently, if you go on that... What's McCaffrey on pace for? Currently, McCaffrey... I'm going to do some calculations very quickly. He currently has... Uh, okay, how many games have they got? He's currently on track for 1,900 rushing. He's on 587 rushing yards. So times that by three, that gets you that gets you to 1,750 plus an extra game. So around 1,800-ish. Receive, he's he's gone 117 r- yards a game rushing, which is 117 times 16. He's on track for 1872 yards rushing. Receiving, he has a average a game of 55.8. So 55.8 times 16. He's on 900 receiving yards. Eight. He's on 2700 scrimmage yards, and he has six. For seven touchdowns in five games. He's going to have 20-something touchdowns and nearly 3,000 yards from scrimmage. And he's single-handedly responsible for 54% of offensive possessions himself. Okay. If he does that all season if he does and the Carolina season, make the playoffs, you tell me how he doesn't okay. win the MVP. Yes, I'll get aboard that. If he does it for the whole season, yeah. yes. Like, there, there is no fathomable way he cannot... If he sustains that for the entire season, and he's a guy who's very professional, he looks after his body, and he cares a lot. You know, he's not, you know, going to... Th- go- okay. What I'm okay. What I will say is that I think it's a lot easier for guys like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson to continue to yeah. play at the level that they're playing at. It's less physically demanding than Christian McCaffrey is to maintain this level that he's playing. Yeah, at. but if he, that's exactly right. Like, I mean, the only and I obviously like am biased towards him because I like him <laughs> really? so much. Yeah, but for anyone wondering. I mean, I mean, if you flip, it's them three at this point. Yes. The one that could sneak into the conversation for me is Deshaun Watson. Yeah. He could sneak into the conversation if he really ramps it up going forward. And really, I, ramps it up more from last week. Yeah. If he, he continues, if he continues, if he continues to do that, I mean, he's had a few bad games. Well, not bad games, but he hasn't been great. And if he can get more of last week and less of the other weeks, he's definitely going to maybe sneak into the conversation. But it's got to be them three at this point. Mahomes speaks for himself, and then you've sold Russell Wilson, and I've pretty much just done a whole mathematics class on Christian McCaffrey. So, I mean, that'd probably be the ones. Is, yeah. there, is there anyone else you can see sneaking up, no, potentially? No, so, unless someone makes a run like Tom Brady. Makes Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, I think um, Wentz arguably has... Um, yep. 
an argument to make if they go on a big run. There is currently so Prescott. I just would have to say that it's the only skilled player even in the conversation would be McCaffrey at this point in time. Yes. Yeah. Um, any preference for defensive player of the year? Defensive player of the year. So at this point in time, you've got to say Shaq Barrett's the front runner, isn't he? Yeah, nine sacks through five games. Yep. If he has ten, um, uh, um, if he, I read a statistic that if he has another sack this week against Carolina, he'll be the first player since 2012 to have ten through six, ten sacks through six games. So, I mean, he's putting up worldly numbers, and he's just he came from Denver, um, where he's playing behind obviously behind Chubb and Von Miller. He's just disruptive. Hmm. So, I mean, at this point in time, you'd have to say he's probably the one. Yeah. The other one, I think, moving forward, I don't think you can still count out Don, Don Aaron Donald. Um, yeah. But just makes it so hard when um, defensive player of the year is so much about the counting stats. Yeah. And when you watch the film, is that yeah. Aaron Donald's getting triple teams? Yeah. He's getting like chip blocked every every play by a running back or yep. a tight end. Just makes it so much for hard of him to get the quarterback. But you still you watch it on the film. You saw it last week against Seattle. He was in Russell Wilson's face every play and. Sometimes he doesn't get to the quarterback, which doesn't appear on the stats. But, I mean, the eye test, he's still arguably, I think, the best defensive player in the league. Oh, of course he is. And, I mean, the man is a freak of nature. He um, is just out of this world. And the, the thing that a lot of the counting statistics, as you said, they're not going to bring up are double teams, getting other guys opportunities for sacks and pressures and hurries. So, I mean, it's really a defensive plays. You need to watch a lot of film to really understand the value someone has to a team hmm. on defense. Like, it's... You look at... um, You look in Los Angeles, for example, Joey Bosa. He draws double teams at all times. And because he's so relentless fighting with a quarterback, he draws attention and gives option, uh, gives lanes for their linebackers and defensive tackles to really push and close the pocket because he requires so much attention on one end. And then you've got on the other end... um. <clears throat> Oh, God, I just went blank. Melvin Ingram. Melvin Ingram, sorry. I just went blank. You've got Melvin Ingram on the other end. Those guys don't really put up ridiculous counting numbers per se, but they're so disruptive. One of them, at least, on every snap is so disruptive that makes the rest of the front of the defense so productive. And it's really, it's one of the, it's, yeah, awards in football can really annoy me sometimes because of how hard it is to quantify someone's impact on a game or their importance when it just comes down to statistics. Um, offensive Rookie of the Year? Offensive Rookie of the Year for me, I'd still have to have Gardner Minshew. Yeah. The only other one I'd have is Josh Jacobs. That's probably the two. Yeah. I think Josh Jacobs is on track for about 1,400 rushing. Um, but Gardner Minshew, at this current clip, will eclipse Baker Mayfield's passing touchdown record of last year. He's on track currently for 28 passing touchdowns, and he only has one intercept so far. Um, a couple of names that I thought I'd bring up, um, Terry McLaurin, um, Amazing, yeah, phenomenal. Through the first three weeks, um, he was injured in week four back yep. last week. But in the first through the first three weeks, he had five receptions in each game, a receiving touchdown, and over a hundred yards. So um, that ones that stand out. Another one that stand out, Josh Jacobs, like you yep. said, um, Daniel Jones. I think moving forward, he does pass the eye test. We know that quarterbacks particularly get like um, look towards for these for these awards. Um, and another one, I mean, it's not really one to get 
kind of overly worked up about, but Eric McCoy, the centre for the um, New Orleans Saints, has really been playing well. Um, yep. So just a shout-out to the offensive linemen out there. Yeah, you've got to give him a shout-out. I think uh, you consider Daniel Jones, but then if you put him up against Gardner Minshew, Minshew's eating True. him at the moment. So that's kind of why I eliminated Daniel Jones from the conversation. Um, but at this point in time, like Gardner Minshew has 1,300 passing yards. So through five games... He has 1,300 passing, nine touchdowns, one intercept, and he's completing, uh, but I think, between 65 and 70% of his passes somewhere. And the Jaguars have a respectable record. Yeah. So, I mean, why would it... He's got to be... But then I looked... Like, this is... I was looking last night at the like the NFL future propositions, like on Sportsbet, just out of curiosity. He's paying $6. Yeah, I think the question is, can he sustain it? And what happens when Nick Foles comes back? That's well, why I think Daniel Jones potentially has the, the chance to, to overtake him. To I overtake suppose. him just because he's then they're probably not going to bring Eli back. Just while we're on that conversation between Foles and Minshew, if Minshew keeps up this level of play, what do you do about that? Because you've got Nick Foles on this big money. Yeah, I think you could argue that it's similar to Dallas a couple of years ago when, when Tony Romo went down and um, Dak came in. And they made that decision, and, and look how that's turned out. So, But Romo only had one year left on his true. deal, whereas Foles has just been signed for four years, 70 million, or four years, whatever, 90 million, whatever it was, three years, 90 million, or whatever it was. So do you trade Foles? Do you trade I mean, Minshew? What do you I, do? I think, I think the more important question is, is who's the better quarterback, not how much you're paying the backup. If you've got, mm-hmm. We've seen that if you've got a franchise quarterback, then nothing else really matters. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, you look at Houston, for example, they think they've got their franchise quarterback into Sean Watson, so they were more than happy to go trade two first-round picks to Miami for Tunsil. Yeah, to protect that franchise yeah. quarterback. And so if is the man, then I don't think there's a price too high that you would pay to so Nick Foles, really. you would trade Nick Foles, then, would be the answer. So where does Nick Foles land? I've got a spot for Nick Foles, Minnesota. <laughs> that's, a very, that's a large hypothetical. Yeah, but I mean, Gardner Minshew is. But he, is that really an upgrade though over Kirk Cousins? Yeah, Kirk Cousins is bad. I thought he was good. He's bad. Is Nick Foles really the answer though? Like, is Nick Foles the answer to we need a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins? They seem like they're just very kind of both average quarterbacks. I mean, well, Kirk Nick Foles has shown that he can Tom actually Brady handle some. Yeah, he did beat Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. <laughs> Plug Troy Connor once. <laughs> Sorry about that, mate. But I mean, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it would brings up a very interesting narrative going forward. There's a few of these we could probably play along with quickly if we have time. How far are we going? Oh, we're going rough time. What, yeah. what hypothetical? So I got, got a few. So I got well. The first one is Minshew v. Foles. If Minshew keeps up this level of play, he's on track to break every rookie passing record there is. You have salary flexibility cap. If you have, you have cap control with him for the next three years on his rookie deal, Nick Foles is on huge money. You can offload Nick Foles. You can buy offensive linemen in the free agency. You get whoever you wanted, right? What Do you keep Nick Foles or do you keep Gardner Minshew if he keeps this up for the entire season? Do you bring Foles straight back in when he's ready in two weeks, three weeks? Do you keep Gardner Minshew in? What do you do? I think it depends in that meantime. Is that if Minshew keeps playing? If at this Minshew level, sustains this exact level of play, I don't think you can take him out. You can't. So then, if he, I'll follow that. Follow that up. So Foles sits behind Minshew for the remainder of the year. Jags maybe get a wild card, just miss a wild card, win eight or nine games with Minshew. You then, what do you do at the end of the season? You have to move one of them. You do can't you? keep both of them. Why not? I mean, 
you could argue that in that situation is effectively they're swapping the salaries. Is that the total salary for the quarterback is still the same? The same. Yeah. If you had Foles as the number one Mm -hmm. and Minshew as the backup. So So you're saying you potentially keep both of them? Yeah. I mean, Nick Foles has shown that he's not about the spotlight. I don't think you could argue that if he was to be told, "Oh, we want to see what we got out of Minshew," we're really feeling ourselves at the moment. He wouldn't. Kick up a storm to that. I don't yeah, think. I think he'll sit. He'd happily sit. He's ready, say, week 10, and Minshew's playing well. You can't fathomly take out Gardner Minshew, so he's going to stay in. And then I'm more concerned about in the offseason. But then the, the issue is you then have to weigh up. You've got an asset that you can trade for assets, right? Nick Foles is a tradable asset. His contract isn't that bad. If you look at some of the, he's on better contract than a lot of quarterbacks out there. At that price point, Nick Foles is desirable to a team that want a quarterback. Is he not? Yes. So then the question is, would you rather keep that quarterback room together for that price quote, or do you trade one of them for assets to improve your football team further? Like it's it's a really really complex and very interesting question. I think you keep the, keep the um back the quarterback room together in case there's another injury. Yeah, but you don't you don't plan an entire roster. You want to win. You don't plan around catastrophe. You don't want, you know what I mean? Like, if I was a general manager and I had these two quarterbacks at the end of this season, I would see what I could garner for each of them on the trade market, right? You'd trade Minshew. I wouldn't think about what someone, if Minshew breaks all the rookie records, right? He then becomes more desirable than an unproven. Does, would you rather, if Garner Minshew throws 30 touchdowns this season, 4,000 passing yards, takes the Jaguars to a wild card, why is he less desirable than a first round draft pick quarterback next year? But why I would you underst- trade him then? He played that well. Yeah, I understand that. So if you're, but if you're in on Nick Foles, and you, you could trade guard it, but I'd say of the two, I'd be trading Nick Foles, obviously. But I'm saying you have this situation where you've got an asset. You can improve your football team in other areas, improve cap space if you trade Nick Foles, this is. Like it'd be, it's a very interesting situation, yeah. is it not? Yes, it is interesting. And it could go a bunch of ways. And that isn't even without mentioning, um, arguably their best player still hasn't played. But I think that's a kettle of fish that we won't get to today. Oh, uh, we won't open that one. Another, um, we could play quarterbacks again. Kyle Allen, Cam Newton. What do you do there? If the, well, if the, if they win six we get games to that, straight, defensive rookie of the year. Okay, defensive rookie of the year, Brian Burns. Yeah, I don't think you can argue with that. I think or Nick Bosa. Bosa. Um, they're, they're the two that are going to win it. Yeah, one of them. Because Brian Burns is playing out of this world. He's a freak. Have you seen some of his moves? Yes. He's fast. He's amazing. Oh, he's so good. And then Nick Bosa is also so good. It makes me beg the question how Brian Burns fell to 16. Well, he did, and you've got him, so you yeah, should be happy. I'm thrilled about that. Um, another one that I think you could make a case for is um, if Devin Bush keeps playing the way he has. Yeah, he's really good, is. isn't he? Yeah. Um, I think that's about it. Um <laughs> Did you want to go into another massive hypothetical question? I just think it's a very interesting topic when you're discussing quarterback situations where one goes down and another comes in. I mean, like, it's just... The Jaguars one's probably the most fascinating at this point in time because Minshew's actually producing more than steady play and actually showing that he may have the potential to be a quarter franchise quarterback, potentially. Is Like, it's just... It just really interests me. Like, and the, like obviously, another one that comes to mind for me would be Kyle Allen and Cam Newton because Cam Newton has won an eight in his last nine games. I mean, obviously, he hasn't been healthy, but Kyle Allen, they've looked like a completely different football team. I think um, when you're talking about this, having 
the kind of premise that you're talking about is mm. having, would you want two kind of good quarterbacks in the same room? Yeah. And I think you do. And the reason that I think that is because you look at the prime example of the Indianapolis Colts. They had two good quarterbacks in their quarterback room, in yep. Andrew Luck and Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. And unfortunately, Andrew Luck retired. Yeah. And they have taken maybe a small step back, arguably no steps back, and they're right there again. So yeah. that's why I think that you need to have... And, you need to hedge slightly. Yeah, but also, and I think that having a good backup quarterback is important to playing good football. And just, a, yeah, I mean, having a backup quarterback improves the whole overall quarterback play. And, it, like, if you have, like, if you have a situation where your quarterback just knows he's the man, not necessarily, like, an accountability, but you just want good people around other good people. I mean, I, I just think, I, I mean, I was listening to a podcast last week where they just discussed specifically the Minshew and Foles situation and that one just really that's why I brought it up because it was just it was really interesting like what do you do in that situation you know and it'd be interesting to hear what people think about that because it depends how aggressive you want to go with it because you can you could garner that was a good pun there you could garner a lot of things on the trademark of either of them do you keep both of them you know it's just I think you have to keep both of them anyway moving forward anything particular that we should look for through the remainder of the season, um, regular season, or even this week? Yeah, um, I think a lot of teams have records that don't interpret their current ability. The Cowboys, for example, everyone thought they were world beaters running the two respectable teams lose both games. I think the Cowboys are still very good. I don't, I don't buy them. Um, but uh, there's a, like the Patriots, for example, obviously we know they're good, but they've played some pretty bad teams along the way. The one good team they did play, they almost lost to. Tom Brady, I think, is starting... He's making some weird throws lately. He's like throwing some really bad intercepts. So, I mean, it'd be interesting to see when it comes to the sticky end of the season how they go against a better opposition because, you know... I, but there's a lot of teams around the league like that and there's a lot of three and two teams. The next few weeks are... Excuse me, are crucial to what's going to happen for the rest of the season because you know that the difference between a field goal here and a field goal there is five and two and you know three and four. So the next few weeks is kind of a pivotal part of the season as we head into the winter. Um, on more personal note, Carolina playing Tampa in London worried at all? No, nah, no. Nah. It's all good. Christian McCaffrey, three hundred scrimmage yards. It'll be fine. Um, Philly has a very tough game at Minnesota. However, we do play particularly well. In that stadium. And I think you may victimise Kirk Cousins a little bit. So start the Philly defence if you got him. And I've got Stefan Diggs in fantasy for Christ's sake. It's killing me. Anyway, I think that'll do oh, us for today. Yeah. Um, thanks for being here, Jared. I think Always. done a pretty good job. Um, thanks for listening once again to the 4th and Gold podcast. Please make sure to like, rate and review our podcast. And have a good week. Go Birds. Go Panthers.